We are in Champions League, man. That was my name. Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hi, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining me for this episode is Tiffany Weimer. Tiffany is a professional player with the Boston Breakers in the NWSL. She's been a pro soccer player for 12 years, played all over the world, uh, has an amazing story, is also one of the founders of the Duke Dick brand, which provide planners for coaches, workbooks, uh, they're well, well worth checking out. I'll put the link after this podcast. So part of the reasons why, obviously, we started the podcast was to provide content for coaches and look at different viewpoints, different ideas, provoke some conversation, different ways of thinking. But this episode with Tiffany is all about inspiration. Um, Tiffany's story, Tiffany's viewpoint. Uh, she talks about the obsession that she has for the game and questions why, as adults, we are moving young players away from that today. That seems to be a bad thing for some reason. Why is that? Is that detrimental to their enjoyment of the game or their passion for the game? And then she also talks about the importance of feedback. Um, and this one's brilliant, how, how professional players want it um, and how she herself would rather have bad feedback than no feedback. So food for thought for for plenty of coaches um this one is uh, i think you're really really going to enjoy it we shot for about 25 minutes was our target and we went for probably double that there so um it's passionate it's intelligent enjoy every minute of it tiffany thanks for joining me for the for the podcast um first question i've got for you you're just coming out of the pro season with the boston breakers so finished about over six weeks ago what does the off season look like for you personally? What are you doing right now? Uh, well, it might be a little different for me than it is for some of the other players in the league. I just turned thirty four last week, and happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> and um, so I'm. I really feel it once it comes down to the end of the season. My body feels it. My mind feels it. It's. It's very. It's getting harder. It gets harder. It's just. It's just part of it. But um, so I, I took a few weeks off completely, um, relaxed and, un, and unwound. And then I started to, um, you know, every year I try to figure out new things to implement into my diet and my mental training. And this year I've been working with a company called Black Market Kitchen that includes all of the... Um, the proteins, carbs, and calories, and they make paleo meals, and it's helped me tremendously. And I've also started working with a sports psychologist, Stu Singer, who has made me really start to uh, change the way I think as, a, as an athlete and as a person. So, you know, those two things coupled with pickup and some running, swimming, biking, yoga, and technical training and you know put it all together that's my off season brilliant so you've kind of suppose the, the things you've targeted are 
on the mental side, a little bit of growth there, and then on the on the physical side, like diet. Have you always been into your diet? Is that something new? No, I haven't. Um, I've had some gastrointestinal problems, which seems to be more common in pro athletes than I thought. Uh, it's not something people talk about often. Obviously, it's not um, something that we enjoy talking about, but mm-hmm. it's important to know that you know people do deal with that, and in order to find what works for you. It's a lot of testing and failing and in figuring out what your body needs and doesn't need. Some things that are healthy for most people are not really great for people with, you know, um, gastrointestinal ish- issues, mm-hmm. I guess. What, 30, if 34 is impressive, what's the secret? The secret is um, when I was younger, I tried to play the game running as little as possible (laughs) (laughs) so although i have the wear and tear i might not have the wear and tear as some others (laughs) are we talking college here where uh, you have to run a lot you weren't running a lot then i saw you're saying uh yeah you could ask my college coaches about that brilliant i will be doing that for sure for sure (laughs) Uh, you must you must have been all right i looked at your record so I, i think you're uh you're being a wee bit harsh on yourself. You must have moved to score all them goals. Um, <laughs> look, look at, looking at your, you, I mean, going through, I had to, it, it was a fair bit of work for me going through your bio to all these different countries. So if I miss one out, shoot it. Finland, Brazil, Sweden, Canada, Denmark, Holland. Not Holland, but the other ones were right. Everyone except Holland. Yes. How did, how did playing in those countries change you firstly as a person well living in the Scandinavian countries especially changed me in in a lot of ways um they live a life where less is more they don't need all the things that Americans need you know you walk into a garage in the United States and you could see somebody's entire life um you know, throughout the whole thing and if you walk in somebody's garage in in Scandinavian countries you see a car and a couple other things but it's just different we collect so many things we think we need so many things and we really don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) we really don't and um this idea of minimalism i think is a bit extreme um when taken to the top but i've learned that you know to be somewhere in between american and in the scandinavian countries is really it's a comfortable place for me and i'm much happier that way does that create? I'm just interested. In how what does that create for a young player? Like, does that, you know, are they, are they still are they still got kids going around on their phones? Is is there still a fair bit of materialism in those countries, or, or does it just not, not as much? Not as much, and I don't know. I think you know, even when it comes to training, you know, soccer is soccer. I think sometimes here we make soccer out to be. Uh, more complicated than it is we see a lot of videos now with all these different toys that you think you need to have or training gear and everything and it's just you know I just feel like we don't need as much as we think in in even in terms of our own training what did you learn most as a player from those countries when I was over there that was one of the first times I really got into the uh, the tactics of the game they really focus on the tactics and playing together uh, as opposed to you know 
this is our best player. We need to get them the ball, which was kind of what I went through um, during high school and college. And just the idea of defending as a unit and attacking as a unit was something that, you know, this was also what, 10 years ago, almost the first time I went over there. So things have changed here in the college game and the pro game, but uh, that was definitely something I learned over there. And also the idea that, you know, it's, it's in their, it's in their society and their culture that you're no important than the, the next person um, is something called uh, Yenti law that you should look up if you don't know what that is, where they, a law from a long time ago basically shunned people for standing out too much or trying to be, uh, you know, ostentatious. And, you know, <laughs> case in point was um, Zlatan. He really didn't fit in in the in the Swedish culture. He's not really Swedish, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, th- that idea of that it's the team first, it's not about you first. That That's something that I, I learned there. Uh, you know, as Americans, we were taught to stand out and be the best. And it's just... It's a little different over there. Were you ever homesick? Yes, homesick definitely. I'm very close with my family. Um, they weren't able to come over uh, ever, and uh, but it was one of those things where you know family fell second, and I you know I couldn't even believe it. I still can't believe saying it, but that's mm-hmm. how much soccer means to me, and how much I crave that feeling when I play. That I would put my family second so much in my life in order to have it. And yeah. they knew that too. They supported it every step. Yeah, that was. I mean, I struggled with it for for at least a year, two years. Was was home like homesickness is the hardest mm. thing. But I think I actually think it it's the biggest character development as well because going away and learning to like overcoming that there is is a massive resilience opportunity. Does it get easier going to? Walking into a locker room full of all new faces, does that ever get more difficult or less difficult? That has gotten much easier as I've gone on and I've, you know, become more confident with who I am as a person and, you know, I'm able to make friends. I know this now. I'm not so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, everywhere I've gone, I've made some great friends and uh, there's just... There's a also it's a little bit easier when you go to some of the Scandinavian countries. The girls are really nice, and the the people that are involved in the club a lot of times they're volunteers, and they're just they're just happy to be there and happy to help you. And uh, you know, you, you they make you feel comfortable right away. What does being around so many players, so in, in all those teams, plus you've you've kind of had two two or three spells in the U.S. with the different progressions of the leagues and how they've done over here. So you've played. Your experience is remarkable. Um, what separates the top players, like in all these, even personal personality ways or or environment ways? What separates top players from the rest? As soon as you said that, the first person that came to mind for me was Christine Sinclair. Uh, she, from the first practice we've had together, FC Gold Pride. I just remember her being so professional and so clinical and every shot she took was you know it was an important shot it wasn't uh it was never I could piss this one away and I think that that attitude is the difference a lot of times between the good players and the great players because 
um, it's it's easy to to piss some away, to piss this training session away, this week away, and just say, you know, I got other things going on, and this isn't as important. But if you can make every single second count of your career and make it seem like the most important second of your life, that's going to be the difference. And that took me a long time to figure out when I was young. Um, I wasn't uh, the best professional in the beginning of my career. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten much better at that. And also recognizing that in younger players and trying to help them to not make the same mistakes that I made when I was younger. Like, so your being around Sinclair has, has had a massive impact on you and has also changed you to change other people. And like, how can we, the level of detail, like coaches are saying this to players, you know, like take everyone's saying, you know, take, take care of the details, small mm-hmm. things, you know, take every training session, blah, blah, blah. Like why are players only listening to this whenever they, they come around those players? Like, is there, a, I suppose, is there a different way we can communicate this to players? I think as coaches, it's one of those things where you have to spend time alone with some of the players and, you know, making them aware of some of the things that they can focus on. Because if I'm if I'm shooting in a drill where there's five or six other players, and I'm constantly missing and all the feedback I'm getting is, you know, focus more or or got to finish those or, you know, I don't even know how to improve from this session to the next session. But if if somebody's taking the time to say, hey, we're going to go work on your technique of bending the ball um, with the inside of your foot, you know, now every time I'm going to shoot, I'm thinking about something that's much more um, minuscule than just I'm going to shoot this ball. Mm-hmm. And now the focus is increased. And now next time I'm, I want to be better at this because I've put time into it. You've helped me. You know, it's like one of those things that it's doable, but it takes a lot of work and maybe more than one coach at the session. I like that. So add a level of detail to the coaching to get a level of detail of of evaluation, self evaluation, self awareness from the player. Yeah. Yeah, and then even yeah, go a step further and say, can you can you get that from positional work or something a little bit mm-hmm. a bit more than that? Yeah, that's a great point. How about the other way? What is a European player? learn from the U.S. league and the culture over here? I think our league is is more um, physical and athletic. Maybe they come over here and then they play at a, a little bit of a faster pace. They um, are f- maybe a little bit fitter. They are also exposed to, um, and this is not a, a knock, but a lot of players who have pretty decent sized egos um, compared to maybe some of the players that they play with back home. And so um, maybe they, they, you know, think more highly of themselves because they see that that's the only way to survive sometimes. Mm-hmm. You still, the league still is like, you've gone from, well, you haven't gone from it, but college two games a week, Friday, Sunday, and now you play one game a league or one game a week. Still tough physically travel, etc. Yeah, the travel in the U.S. is is definitely tough. It's hard. Um, I don't know how we did it Friday, Sunday. Like I said, I didn't run a lot, so I think I was doing it the right way. But, um, you know, there were times – the travel was definitely hard in the U.S., but there were times in Europe where we would bus five hours, get off the bus, play a game, bus back. And you had to figure – and I did that last fall. 
So I had to figure it out. Um, there was one game a couple years ago that I flew two hours, got off the plane, ate a meal, and then played and had to fly back home. So, you know, you think it's bad sometimes, but then you have to remind yourself you've been through worse. Mm. Oh, the worst ever. This one's great. I love this story. We were on an island in Finland, and in order to get to play any away games, we had to go to the mainland, which was a 10-hour ferry ride. So the night before a game, we would take the ferry 10 hours overnight, sleep on the ferry, wake up in the morning, eat the buffet on the ferry, get off the ferry, take a bus to the game, play, <laughs> and then fly back after the game. No way. Did you, <laughs> well, how did that game go? Uh, it was tough, but we got through it. You mm-hmm. know, you had to. Do you think we're uh, Do you think we're getting soft over here? I think we should just get some fairies and <laughs> take the long way. <laughs> I can imagine the amount of players that my our players especially that would moan if we were ferrying around. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's um, I mean, there's there's always that you know the, as a college coach, you always hear players, especially towards their senior year, they almost have this. You know, well, well, I'm going to miss playing soccer, so I want to continue playing soccer. It's fun, and I think I could make a career at it. And it always frustrates me because it always it's going to take a higher, much, much higher level of commitment that you've ever shown before. So mm-hmm. it's not something you can just decide to do willy-nilly in February. When, when were you starting mentally preparing or physically preparing to play after college? Was it something that was always there for you? Uh, mentally, I started preparing for it when I was five, mm-hmm. and that's not a joke. I just, there was no pro league. You know, we didn't know much about the national team during the early eighties, and um, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I was going to be a professional soccer player, and um, I say that all the time now. You know, if you have a goal, you have to write it down. And I would be really curious to ask a lot of professional players if they did write that down when they were younger, you know, I want to be a professional soccer player because I guarantee you many of them did. Um, so it starts when you're young. It's it, that seed is planted. If your seed is planted to just get to college, maybe, you know, that's why you stop there. I don't know. Um, but during college, the WSA was going on and, you know, we, we just, there were, there were two of us, Carmelina Moscato, um, she was on the Canadian national team. She was at Penn State. She was my roommate. And now she's in the um, coaching system for Canada soccer. We would go out and, and do extra all the time. And we would go to the racquetball courts in the winter and just kick the ball around. And, you know, it was it was never too much. It just actually was never enough. We wanted more all the time. And um, I think that was the difference for us was that we we knew – that we couldn't just do what everyone else was doing. So that must have been a coach's dream then, because having having one player with that mindset is gonna, you know, it's gonna elevate your culture. Having two players mm-hmm. with it is obviously gonna add another. Was it that case where it, you know, I'm assuming you were both captains, and then was it more, you know, were you driving other players to keep up with you, or did you, were you getting frustrated with other players, or how did that go? I uh, definitely wasn't captain because you had to pass the fitness test <laughs> to be captain. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we, you know, a lot of people didn't really join us. Um, it wasn't, you know, being roommates, we could just decide that we were going to go do it. And 
a lot of people had a lot of other things going on. So it's just, you know, it helped the team, I think. But at the same time, we were looked at as like, you know, the soccer nerds. We've always been the soccer nerds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do with soccer is like to, to make it cool again, to, to be obsessed with it, to be, you know, absolutely wild about it because it seems now that if you're too into one thing, especially as a kid, it's not good. It's not healthy. You have to be well-rounded. And I don't really believe that because I see what that's done for me. So, you know, all the soccer nerds out there who are obsessed with it, got to pass that on mm. to other people because we need more of that. We need people who are just wild about things. I don't care if it's soccer or something else. It's just, you know, let it consume you. Yeah, you're right. That's almost looked down upon in our society today, isn't it? Where it's, mm-hmm. or sorry, especially. especially socially, where if you're taking up that there, like, all right, so say you didn't have Carmelina beside you. And say you are roommates with someone who liked a night out or a couple of nights out a week, then you would be looked upon even more weirder because you were yeah. the only, only one doing it. And that's right. I feel that holds a lot of players back today. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what do you what do you see when you know? So now, kind of with the old person hat on your head, you know, when, you're, <laughs> when you've got players that are coming in now with with the breakers or not even the breakers. Uh, when you see players from college coming in here to the league now, what what's missing from them, or what what do they need to catch up on quick quickly? Uh, I I see it with some of the the rookies, but I also see it with some of the kids that I've coached, the seventeen and eighteen, nineteen year old kids. Um, it's this idea that um, you you were so good wherever you were because of whatever you know, your speed, your technique, your, the players you had around you, maybe that you don't have to change necessarily, but the coach has to change or you have to change schools. Um, One of the most important lessons I learned in my life was that you have to have the ability to reinvent yourself, you know, as a person, as a player, if I stayed the same player I was when I left college, I would not be playing now. Mm-hmm. I would definitely not be playing now. I had to change. And I don't think that players understand the idea that, you know, you might not be that position anymore. Or you might not be a starter or that kind of player. You need to accept the fact that that's going to happen and then, you know, buy into reinventing yourself. Like Madonna. Look at her. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say Maradona. I thought, yeah, he didn't reinvent yeah. himself very well. He struggled with that. No. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's we are like our, our, as players, you know, they've, I, I'm finding that they're they're more even at the college level. They're, they're a little bit more um, unflexible to play. We're in different positions rather than different you know, downsizing roles. You're, mm-hmm. down, you know, you're, you're changing a different position in the park and it's, Mm-hmm. Even that's becoming. I get. I think it's that society change that you talked about earlier. Um, we just place so much value on the the star player role, don't we? And mm-hmm. and we feed that as you, like our youth system feeds that because then you know the youth coach can say, well, listen, we want you to take out. You know, I want to give you a little bit of adversity before you get to the college game. Otherwise, the player goes, well, I'll just go and play with another club then, won't it? Right. So it's we need to find a way to get that, surely. 
yeah, I when I coach the youngest kids that I have, the ten and twelve year olds, I tell them that they're going to play every position, and you know they they get they're really uncomfortable. But I think that's the best thing that can happen for them at a young age is just you might not like it, you might not ever play it again, but you're going to play it now, and you're going to at least learn the position. And if ever, anybody else ever puts you there, you've been there before, even just once or twice. Uh huh. Um, the the topic of it was like the first thing you said was about the you know moving moving to Europe was the tactical element of the game. There was a lot more of it, and you were exposed to a greater detail of it. Whenever like the NWSL has improved, I think drastically. Like I, I, it's it's I think it's fantastic to watch tactically. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think we're we're getting a lot better over here in the women's game in recent years? I think we have gotten better in some ways. Um, when it was the W, when it was WPS, we had a lot of international uh, stars. I don't know if you ever watched any of those games, but those those games were some of the best games I remember being a part of, and had some of the best players I've ever played with, uh, with Formiga and. Uh, Christine Sinclair and Marta Cristiani, um, Camille Abelie, you know, those uh, Sawa, those were like, you know, all time greats and they were all in one league. <laughs> and I think now the league ma- is made up of more younger players and um, not as experienced as that time. But I think the one thing that's missing for me in the league is kind of um the idea of having a tempo and 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 building more i think all the games and i know because i play them and mm-hmm. it's hot in the summer and they're all most of them are 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. and i think that if we can kind of and i maybe maybe i'm saying that because i'm older and the game has gotten faster but i think that they, that it, we can benefit from sometimes a player putting their foot on the ball and slowing it down and and then speeding it up and just there's no difference sometimes for me and in the other, in other leagues there there is a big difference mm-hmm. which coach the whole your whole career which coach is the greatest influence on you oh well they've all all of them have had their bits and pieces um i think the person who really grabbed my attention and said, you know, if you don't change right now, you're not going to go anywhere was Tony DiCicco. He, he's, he was one of the best and he had the ability to, you know, embarrass you and yell at you in front of everybody that was important to you and then make you feel like you're the most important person in the world, um, in the next second. And the, the relationships he had with his players and the um, knowledge he had for the game, the two things together just, I mean, made him one of the best coaches I've ever had. Yeah, for any coaches listening, Tony's book, Catch Them Being Good, Everything You Need to Know to Successfully Coach Gares. I've just pulled it up on my computer there. Absolutely gold dust for a coach. Mm -hmm. I read that when I was just starting on the woman's side and it was like Tony's level of yeah level of detail level of like in, in putting your personality in your coaching yeah um, and I've just these I've heard nothing but but amazing things about him from everyone who's been associated with him it's just been top top class yeah he he was the best 
so, he made me defend. So he made that's... you defend. Well, that's my next question. Is like, all right, so so I'm, I was going to ask you, like, how does coaching college and coaching pro differ? But can a college or can a pro coach, can they do a little bit more in terms of, like, can there be, because you're, like, again, that star quality kind of goes whenever you're you're amongst star players, can that, can that coach as a top player, can they be a bit more honest with players can they do a little bit more damage with like listen this is the reality of where you are yeah they can and they do and the thing that I think a lot of coaches don't understand is that we want that feedback good or bad you know we just we want an open line of communication constantly Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's being a female player I can't speak of being a male player but we want the good we want the bad we want the really good and we want the really bad. And, you know, if, you know, for whatever reason, some coaches don't want to have those difficult conversations. And I think that the the more difficult the conversation, the closer you, the potential is there to get closer to a player than, you know, than if you don't have those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one, that, because even as a coach, you're talking about, you know, there's, and there's a times that I've I've backed away from having that. You know, how honest do I be? Because if that player's suffering from even a, a confidence crisis, or you're like, oh, I might just, you know, I might just patch this up. But you're saying like here, if it's bad, even if it's no matter, like the honest feedback will have more of a positive. It'll build that relationship in the long term. Yeah, because then I trust you. You know, I trust the coach and. If I'm not playing and there's no reason given or if it's seemingly BS, then I don't trust a coach anymore. Mm-hmm. So and, and if you don't have trust, then you kind of lost your player. That's how I've that's how I've seen it. And that's how I've experienced it. Um, the best coaches I've had have been the ones that have had the best relationships with the players. And those not coincident, not coincidence have been the best teams that I've played on. Uh-huh. So. So how did Tony DeChico deliver? You know, you've just had a you've just had a shocker. Um, you know, what when I suppose when did he deliver it to you? Did he deliver it to you? You know, did he find you in the bus? Did he did he shout you in front of the locker room? Did he come to you the next morning to practice? Was it called into the room? You know, how was that process delivered? I'll never forget this time I didn't get back on defense and he said and he yelled that the fans across the field could hear, if you defend like that, you'll never be on the national team. Oof. And wow, you know, at the time, wow. And, you know, I, I played better that game, and I finished strong. And the next day he called me into his office, and I thought I was going to hear more of it. And he apologized for for saying it the way he did. And then went on to talk about, you know, how I could – be a better player and and why it frustrated him Uh you know then it was hard it's still it was still hard but like I knew that he cared about me and that's where that that trust comes in you know he was saying it because he has his best interest he just wasn't yelling to yell and I knew that the next day when he called me in and we had a conversation about it and I knew that he cared he wanted me to be better wow that's powerful stuff that's like it's almost like the parent conversation, isn't it? Like this is why I'm hard on you because, and and you you appreciate that there, and you feel even more loved. Yeah. Which makes you then I would I would guess ready to run through walls for him. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of players were like that. Brilliant. 
Brilliant. Okay, moving on to the business, the, the Duke Tig brand. What was the inspiration behind it? Well, um, Adelaide Gay, she's also a pro player. She was just playing in Iceland. And, and myself, we've, we um, had been talking about finding soccer planners, soccer journals to, to write our sessions in, to write our own training in. And, uh, you know, we kind of like just said, oh, yeah, we'll just, we should just make one one day. And that was two years ago, maybe two or three years ago. And then last year we both played together in Sweden. And we were like, we should just do this because there's nothing out there and it's getting frustrating for us that we can't find anything. And at the same time, if we can't find it, maybe there's other people who are looking for the same thing. Um, And the reason that we were looking for them is because we knew how much value we put into writing everything down, our own goals, our own um, strengths and weaknesses, uh, doing our reflections after games, and, um, you know, helping kids and coaching and doing the same thing with them. So we, you know, searched for what we thought were the best products, the best of everything. And we said, okay, we are going to create a notebook that is uh, specifically for soccer. That is, that has a calendar in it, that has a field in it, that has a pocket in the back. Like these are the things that we, we have to have because, these are the things that we were looking to use every single day and we can't find. So that's how, that's how we made the trainer, um, which is the, the first, our first product. I mean, it's amazing because it, it does look like a coach, you know, an aid for coaches, which it obviously is, but like your inspiration coming from a player's point, am I wrong in saying the 99 whatever percent of players don't write things down? There are more players that write things down than maybe you guys think, but at the top uh, level, maybe at the, yeah, at the top level, I know all, almost all the players in the breakers had a notebook and I saw them using them. Uh, we have to go through our instat reports and we get our GPS and we get a lot of information. And one of the things I do after every game is I go through my instat and I go through our GPS and heart rate and everything. And I put everything on one page so that's all in one place because nothing is in one place that we have. Um, and I could look back at, you know, this game in July and see how how I did, how many meters that I cover and how many passes did I give away. Um, and I am going to keep that notebook forever. You know, mm-hmm. my email is going to get deleted at some point in my life. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah. That book is going to be with me forever. But that's amazing. You're talking every player in a, in a pro locker room all writing things down without being told to by a coach. And there's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a lot of value that must go into that. Like for, because obviously I believe, I believe that players should be doing it. I, you know, and, and Donna Fister works for us and Donna makes kids write things down and you can see some of them just look at you. They, they don't know what to write down, but right. for, but for players, um, you know, is it, again, when does that happen? Is it, do you see that then? Is it in the hotel before the game? Is it, is it in practice? So when does, when do people gather their thoughts on the pro level? Uh, I do it usually in the beginning of the week and I set goals for myself for the week. Just little things, you know, like check your shoulder more. If I write it down, it becomes more real, you know. Mm-hmm. And then after the games, I, I usually 
try to reflect and, and see what I did well and what I needed to work on. Um, and then little things that anything that has to do with soccer, if I have a new lift or gym routine, I write that down. If, um, I'm not feeling well for a couple of days in a row, I start to write down what I eat and this all just adds to my, you know, main plan of how can I be the best player that, that I can possibly be. And now I started to use the, the mental workouts and write those down. Um, and any books I read, I, soccer books. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the younger kids, I've been giving kids assignments to, to analyze games. So um, the under 10s I had a couple years ago, we gave them assignment to do game analysis, right? Watch a game and just write down anything. They couldn't even spell analysis, you know? <laughs> but, you know, some of the things that they write are very interesting and the things that they notice. And, you know, we were giving them blank sheets of paper. And now I can give them a notebook and say, here, write it on the, on the part of the field that you saw it. Write it on this field, on this page, you know, and then keep it mm -hmm. so that you can see your own development. I always have kids write down their juggling goals. It's like the only thing that they can, you know, improve from week to week. And, and it's an obvious improvement for them because they can count it. Um, I have them write down drills that we do and, and, and anything that they think of. You know, some of the 13s and 14s I have now are learning how to recover. And they said, I foam rolled after a game and my legs felt better. Mm. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> you uh -huh. know? Yeah. And it's just that... Again, society not blaming it, but it's just changed the stage where people aren't. I mean, the, when I was growing up, people kept diaries, people kept scrapbooks, mm -hmm. people kept logs of what they were doing, and and now that's completely changed to where you know everything's going in their phones. But I mean, you said it earlier. Once you write a goal down, it becomes it becomes real, doesn't it? Like there's an extra value mm -hmm. that goes along with it. Um, I just think there's so much value in give, getting young players to do that, even young and college players to do that there because, again, the things that you asso associate with, um, like even those physical side and the diet side, you just, you, you just, there's, not, there's too much information for you to figure everything out in real time as a player, isn't there? Mm -hmm. That's exactly the best way to put it. There's too much, yeah. Uh, and then the, the coaching stuff as well, like even if you were getting, because I always... Like I've started doing it now when a player comes into my office um, and they don't have a notebook to write something down, I almost feel as if, you know, what I'm ever going to, what I'm going to tell you now, you're going to forget by the time you've walked five yep. yards past it. So, right. um, yeah, it's, I just think that's, that's huge. The quality of, of the, of the book. So it's turned into a bit of a brand as well. I see you're going through the clothes too, the winter clothes <laughs> range. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a neck warmer. <laughs> <laughs> that was that the inspiration behind that? Yeah, <laughs> they're hard to find. So I thought other people might have the same problem. It seems like they do. I I had a what do you call it? a snood? I had a snood whenever uh, I was at Cincinnati. I got a lot of stick yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's brilliant. So is that? Are you trying to to go with the you know the branding, the the lifestyle, clothing, a little bit of soccer apparel as well? Is that where that's going? Um, you know, I think it's kind of just extra, um, the, the notebooks and the organization part is what we're really, really passionate about. And, um, some of the things that we've, the t-shirts people have asked us for, and they're, they're, they're easy enough that, you know, we can, we can provide them. Uh, we're actually coming out with a new product. Um, it should be 
launched by the end of this month. Uh, I can't say what it is yet, but it is a, a, a different kind of notebook. And um, that's all I could say. I'm what not... what date? <laughs> I don't have an exact date. You don't have a release yet. date. No well, release date. But it's, but it's uh, December. But in December, we're going to release it. We're going to put it up for pre-sale. And uh, obviously, we still have the trainers. We're going to be at the convention selling trainers and our new products. Oh, good. And um, yeah, uh, that's it'll be exciting. Awesome. Um, so I, I said, like, what you know, as a coach, I would love players to, you know, keep the diary, put, like all the things you're saying. I would, from a coach, I would love that. From a player's perspective, what would you like if you could instruct a coach to use your product to the way you wanted it to, what would you? What would it be? I think that um, if you have a notebook with you all the time, you know, we, you know, they say as as I'm a writer too, so inspiration hits when you least expect it, right? So it's you can have this with you everywhere you go, and sometimes you think of drills when you don't, you're not prepared, um, or you don't have you know, you don't, you might not have um, even a session or a team, but you could always have your notebook and you could always have an opportunity to, to be creative and come up with things and, you know, play with them. And you could keep the notebooks in the same spot, you know, I, I have a stack of journals from the last five years of my life. And if I start to feel a certain way, maybe I feel a little depressed I go through my journal and a time that I was feeling this way and I, I say, oh yeah, this is how I helped myself get out of it. And maybe you have a team that, you know, keeps getting scored on by set pieces. You've experienced this before. Have, have you been bigger... watching my team, Tiffany? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? You have your ideas and you, you, you create your own encyclopedia kind of uh, and references that you can go back to time and time again and I think that you know you obviously play in your sessions and you take them with you and you reflect on your games and you write down things that you talk about in meetings like you were saying um I, I do a lot of small individual sessions and I, I love coming up with ideas for for those kinds of things to, to get players to work on um different things you have to be creative and I think just you know planning sessions is 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 kind of an art but it's also, I think we've complicated it a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of drills out there. But you can do some of the most basic drills over and over again and have different points. And I think that, you know, if you have a, a notebook full of your drills, you, you don't really have to change too much throughout the years. Absolutely. What's the last question for you? What's the challenges of, of doing this here and being a, being a professional, but obviously time is one. Um, but what what are the biggest challenges that you're finding? I think it. This is actually the third company I've been involved with during my soccer career. So I've learned a lot. I um, started our game magazine. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have. I follow them on Twitter. Yeah, that was. Um, I was one of the founders and editor in chief until last year when I wanted to take some time to focus on my career, <laughs> mm -hmm. my soccer career. And then this kind of happened. Um, I also was involved in, a, in starting a, a soccer club in Connecticut, and that proved to be way too much. Um, so 
from those experiences, I've learned that you have to shut off um, at certain times. I, you can't work up until practice because then you'll think about it during practice. You have to shut off well before then. And I think with anything, it's just, you know, knowing that if you do one of them too much, another one is going to suffer. And so just to stop you there, then you wouldn't. So say if practices, what time do the, do the breakers practice every morning? Or We have to be there at 930. So you wouldn't do any work at all in the morning before practice because you wanted to get your head clear for soccer? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's brilliant. But that doesn't mean we wouldn't get your orders out as fast as possible. <laughs> We're very good. <laughs> so say uh, game day then, would you? Would it be a non-starter at game day? Would it be 7 o'clock kickoff? Would you stop it at 12 or would it be just not, not touching it today? Yeah, I would do a few things in in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it is I'm the packer and the shipper. Um, so that's stuff I can do without taxing my mind or my body. Mm-hmm. It's the creative side that takes a little bit more out. Yeah, and that's that that was the writing for me and being the editor that was um kind of draining. Yeah, writing right now cuz you still write a blog, right? For the you write a blog weekly during the season. Uh during the season I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Thanks. Brilliant. Enjoyed that. All right, well I will um I will promote and and uh put everything on the the social media about your your brand is fantastic. We've got your coaching books uh in our offices. I hope that's uh, I hope that's a positive uh, for your brand and not a negative. But um, yeah, I mean, I I just cannot recommend it enough for coaches, especially coaches coaching notebooks. We're going out in the field. I mean, you, you've got your your picture and your marketing actually sums it up. Where people are sitting in the field, either recruiting or coaching, and the amount of those books that get crumpled up when a sprinkler goes off or when they put it back in your bag, right. but but yours doesn't. <laughs> um so so awesome so congrats on that tiffany and and thanks so much for joining us and we'll we'll definitely catch up at the convention um and get a chat with you then as well thanks for having me I no really problem appreciate it. thanks Tip. many thanks to tiffany for joining us for that and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did um plenty to take away from it for sure um i love those those stories about how you know coming across a player like christine sinclair challenged her to change the way she viewed the game and the way she viewed training and even shots and training and you know we're not doing enough of that I think as coaches we're not putting players enough thoughts in players heads about how they're viewing the you know being intentional about the the way they train being intentional about how they get feedback and uh, you know are we challenging players enough away from the field as much as we should be challenging them on the field and we probably aren't you know are we are they writing stuff down are they keeping logs are they are they seeing connections or correlations between performance and preparation or you know nutrition and, and performance um and and how do we expect if they're not doing that then how do we expect them to if we're not teaching and educating them on that side so definitely a lot to take away um we talked about the duke dick brand definitely coaches check it out uh, one of the one of the best things you will purchase, um, especially when you're when your sessions and she talked about brainstorming and, and all that good stuff. So the website is dukedickbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G-B-R-A-N-D. Um, check it out for sure. Um, again, thanks to Tiffany for joining, and we will have another one soon. If you enjoyed it, please shoot a tweet out or post about it or. 
you know, tell someone, um, just spread the word of the podcast and we're still trying to grow them and, and keep some, we've got some good guests coming up soon. So please help us spread the word. Thanks for all your help, support, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.